Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see everyone out here tonight. It's good to hear everybody fellowshipping. That is a sweet sound. It's not as good as worship, but it's right next to it. It's good to hear the saints together fellowshipping. It's healthy. It's what the Lord designed. So, Father, we come before you. We, we put this study before you. Lord, we lift up the, the chapter, uh, the third chapter of Philippians to you. We pray that, that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, you know every single individual in here. You know what we need to hear, Lord. And so please minister to us now. I pray that our hearts would be soft and open to receiving that which you have. And, and we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 3, we journey onwards. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. It's okay. Hopefully we get to read through the whole thing before 11 o'clock. So we got Paul here. He's, uh, he's got a finally. He starts with a finally, so he's, he's kind of, he's, he's arrived at the point now. Finally, my brethren... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So finally, this is synonymous with listen up. In other words, this is important. I really want you guys to pay attention to this. And the first thing that he says following finally is my brethren rejoice in the Lord. And then a few verses later, he talks about rejoicing in the Lord. When something is repeated in the Bible in close proximity, that's worth paying attention to. You can highlight it or underline it or do both and put some little stars next to it. It's important. And so you want to take note of that. Finally, my brethren, rejoice, and not just rejoice, but rejoice in the Lord. You guys watch the news lately? You need to rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> it's a mess out there. I saw a sign earlier today. It said, I'm pretty sure when aliens fly by Earth, they lock their doors. <laughs> and I don't believe in aliens, but if I did, they probably would lock their doors. Guys, we need to rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> it's important. You can be so weighed down by the things of this world when we are in the world. We're not supposed to be of the world. Amen? In the world, but not of the world. So rejoice in the Lord and now let, let's continue on in this verse. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So I, I did a little looking and study, and I, I couldn't find where it is that he repeated this, but it's believed that when he says this, he, he's repeating something. Like, hey, I wrote this before, but it's not grievous for me to write this again. How many times as a parent have you had to tell your child something repeatedly because you love them, right? Because you care for them and maybe they didn't get it the first time. Important things are worth repeating. And, and that's what Paul has here. He's, he's bringing up something that, that we need to hear again. Beware of dogs. Verse 2, beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. So he, he gives us some things that we need to beware of. Uh, this word dogs, it, it's more accurately translated sexual perverts. Um, we need to look out for that. And we see all kinds of things in the news that tell us that that is a legitimate threat. We need to be aware of that, and we need to confront it when, when it comes uh, across our, our doorstep. Uh, beware of evil workers. That, that covers a lot. I mean, 
evil workers, people that are up to mischief, people that are up to stirring the pot, so to speak, sowing discord amongst the brethren. If you look over in Proverbs chapter 6, I think it's chapter 6, the Lord talks about some of the things that he hates, and one of those things is someone that sows discord among the brethren. Hey, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what she did? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? And they buzz around the body and they stir up lots of drama. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular in this room. I just want to throw that out there. That, but, but we've seen it before. Somewhere in our lives, whether it's at school or at work or, or at church, whether it's this church or another church, we've seen busybodies that go around stirring up discord amongst the brethren. And, and the Lord hates that. He hates that because it rips the body apart. It rips his body apart because we are the body of Christ, are we not? So we need to be mindful of that, workers of evil. Um, and then the last one here, um, the concision. So the concision, that's not a, a word that we really use a whole lot today. Uh, false teachers, we're talking about false teachers, and specifically it refers to those that mutilate the word of God. Um, we, we see there's no shortage of cults out there today. Sometimes they knock on your door and they got a little name tag. Um, and, and they're really friendly. They're nice. They, pro they seem like they'd be great friends to hang out with, right? They seem like moral people. But we see that there's plenty of cults out there that they mutilate the word of God. Even now in the American church, maybe we won't venture into the, the realm of cults, but in the American church, we see churches that are willing to overlook certain passages that well, that just seems offensive, and I don't want to lose my tithers, so, you know, they leave it out. And leaving it out, it, you're not allowed to add or subtract from the Word of God. We see that at the, the end of Revelation. There's a stiff penalty for doing that. Uh, we, we need to abide by the whole counsel of God, so we need to be mindful of false teachers that are mutilating the Word of God. Now, remember, this is something that he's told them once, and he's telling them again because it's important. It is very important that the American church, it's not what it used to be. We, we see what this country was founded on. We look at, at the founding fathers. Most of them were born-again Christians. We look at the Constitution, and the Bible is interwoven all through it. We, we had godly roots as a country, and we see how far things have drifted we need to be mindful of that in our own lives. You know, we look around at other people, oh, I, I hope he's not drifting, oh, I hope she's not drifting, and the Lord says, well, why don't you look in the mirror? You know, where are you? You know, we need to check our lives daily, not, not like once a year with our New Year's resolutions, but daily because the, we're up against a very crafty foe. He's smarter than we are, and he's so subtle, and he just slips things in, so gently and so quietly, we don't realize that what he's inserted into our lives, that we have to be willing to, to deal with that promptly and uh, w without any reservations. All right, let us keep going here. Uh, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. The circumcision. So we just talked about the concision, those that, that mutilate the
the word of God. Now the circumcision, which here means separated from an unclean multitude and consecrated to God. That, that's the definition in Thayer's Dictionary. Separated from an unclean multitude and consecrated to God. Again, going back to the American church, when the church starts to look like the world and you can't really tell the difference, when there's a church picnic and it looks more like a bunch of guys just drinking beer and having a party on the weekend, there's a problem, right? And I mean, that's not how we, we run our church picnic, but it's out there and we see it and we know people that go to churches like that, at least I do. And we need to be ever so mindful that we are separated from an unclean multitude and consecrated to God and not mingling with the world because we don't want to step on any toes. If none of us stepped on any toes, if Paul didn't step on any toes, we'd be missing most of the New Testament, uh, right? This is the word of God. That it, it's, it can be offensive to our flesh. It is offensive to our flesh. It goes against our very nature. But if we're born again, we, the Lord, you know, he, he changes our hearts, and, and, and you guys know this because you're well fed. But back to verse 3, right? Let's read it again. For we are the circumcision, right? We're separated and consecrated to God, which worship God. Now, now look at this. In spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. There it is again, just a couple verses later. And have no confidence in the flesh. So we worship God in spirit. We were just worshiping tonight, weren't we? We were worshiping with our voices, but man, it was sweet. It was sweet. The, we could sense the Holy Spirit here amongst us. At least I could. It was awesome. And to hear all the voices rising up to the throne of God, that's the, guys, that, that's a little glimpse of eternity. I don't want to get distracted, but it's awesome. We worship God in spirit. And then the next, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. Not anything that this world has to offer, right? I mean, sure, you know, you get a raise at work, and that's exciting, but in the big scheme of things, what does it really mean? You know, it's, it's, it's nothing. Or, or somebody gives you a car, praise the Lord, he met one of your needs. But it's, it's Rochester. It's going to be a pile of rust in three years. It doesn't matter, you know. But we rejoice in the Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He, we, we rejoice in those things which are eternal, those things that can't be taken away. And then um, we have no confidence in the flesh, Boy, let me tell you something. If you're confident in your flesh, look out for that tripwire. <laughs> you're going to fall. <laughs> it's going to hurt. And I've done it. I can be so proud and so confident in my abilities and blah, blah, blah. And the Lord's so faithful to, you know, <laughs> no, no, you don't, Joe. The Lord, you know what he likes to do? He likes to call us outside of our comfort zones. He likes to pull us out of where we think we got it all together and then... When he does, how often do we ignore that call? You know, no, Lord, I can't do that. No, Lord, that's too much. Lord, that, that's beyond me. I, I don't think I can handle that, right? If you, got, don't, you don't have to raise your hands, but just ask yourself that question here for a second. Has the Lord ever challenged you to do something that draws you outside of your comfort zone? I know you said yes, and if you didn't, you're lying. <laughs> oh, so, right, he, we often ignore that calling because it looks, we, we look at what he's calling us to do and we, we look at what it requires, and then we look at our ability, and we kind of weigh the scales and say, I don't have what it takes. I can't do that, Lord. And he says, yeah, you're right. You can't, but I can. And if you'll take that step of faith, just watch and see what I can do. And it's awesome. You take that step of faith. You see the Lord at work. He brings us to a place where it's clear that we're out of our depth. I mean, sometimes not just a little, but 
way out of our depth. It's something that's way beyond us. The situation requires that which we cannot give. And in that moment, when we take the step of faith, despite what we see, despite what seems logical and what seems out of balance, he comes through and he shows his ability. He shows his faithfulness. Right? Amen. Right. He, if you haven't taken a step of faith in a while, I know I say this every time I get up here, but sometimes it's a few months, so you need to be challenged to take a step of faith again. Take that step of faith. You know, we, we talk about resurrection power. We're going to read about it uh, a little farther down in the chapter. You want that resurrection power? You don't get it sitting home doing nothing. You know, you get it taking steps of faith. You get it being led. You know, when he leads, you still got to follow. He can lead and start walking, and if you just sit there, you're going to be, well, he won't leave you, but you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the blessing. Okay, let's keep moving here. So verse 4, though I might also have confidence in this flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And before we go through uh, his list, Paul, he had the perfect resume. He, he had everything. He was the perfect Jew. He had every qualification that a Jew needed to be successful. And let's just kind of start chipping away at the list here. Circumcised on the eighth day, as was prescribed by the, the Jewish law. You know, he, he did that right out of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. To, to be a Pharisee, you had, to be, you had to be one smart person. You had to have intimate knowledge of all Jewish law. And not only that, you, you had to be disciplined enough to try and uphold it. And I say try because <laughs> nobody could uphold all the laws that they came up with. It was lunacy. But Paul, of all the, the Jews out there, you know, he gave everything he had. He was extremely disciplined, and he was known for it. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous which is in the law, blameless. So let's, let's hang on that for a minute. In his own strength, his zeal and passion were misguided. He got to the point that in an attempt to be righteous, in an attempt to serve the Lord, he was persecuting the church. Now that doesn't add up, does it? But there's a lesson in this. We can be zealous. We can have all the passion and gusto and drive. But if it's not led of the Holy Spirit, you, you wind up doing the exact opposite thing that you think you're accomplishing, right? He, he thought he was doing God's work, and, and he was locking up God's people. He was putting them in jail and worse. He, he held the, the coats of the people that stoned Stephen. And, and the, the lesson here I, for me and, and I think for all of us is that, you know, when you're, when you're launching out to do something and you're, you're excited about it, it's okay to say, Lord, this is you, right? And if it's not, you know, pull the plug and I'll stop. I'll drop it. I'll walk away from it. It's easy to get worked up and excited about something and go on a crusade and, and we, we kind of leave the Lord behind, right? And we're on our own mission and we're out to accomplish whatever it is. And it can look like a good thing. You know, we're, we're going out to do something in the name of Jesus and it looks good, but if it's a work of the flesh, it's not going to pan out. Uh, you, you see a hamster in a wheel running for all he's worth, his little heart's going 300 beats a minute, and he, he is just exerting everything that he has. He's pumping it into that wheel, but where's he going? He's not going anywhere, and that's us, right? A simple illustration, but that's us when we, 
when we're going full bore uh, on our own little journey, we, we spend everything we have to, to do nothing ultimately. Look at the damage that, that he caused. When he finally did get saved, nobody trusted him because they thought it was a ruse to, to infiltrate the church and then lock all of them up, right? People were a little skittish around Paul because of the reputation he had made for himself. All right, let's, let's keep going. So uh, concerning zeal, we read verse 6. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And then verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Now let's camp on that for a minute or two. Paul was famous, right? Infamous, depending on how you're looking at it, but everybody knew who he was. When he got saved, he lost all of the prominence in his religious circle. He had no more pull with the Pharisees. And as a Jew in, in Jewish culture and society, to lose that, that was a big deal. I mean, it, it's like being a, a prominent you know, businessman or political figure, and all of a sudden, you, you just you take a dive, right? You know, let's say in this case you get saved and everything that you stood for. Let's say you're a hardcore leftist and you know you're you're promoting all of these these liberal ideas and all of a sudden you get saved and then the party turns on you. They don't want to have anything to do with you, right? So he he had prominence in society and then he got saved and he lost everything. He lost everything. People they didn't want to look at him. You know the world didn't want to look at him. Paul, you've gone nuts. You're crazy. What are you talking about, Jesus? Who, who's this Jesus? You know, what, what happened to you? And that happens when we get saved sometimes, doesn't it, right? The, the, the world, they're not so happy with us. Our, our friends, we find out who our friends really are. So this happened to Paul. Uh, how many times did his old peers try to kill him, right? I mean, it's, they, they turned on him. In the eyes of the world, he lost everything. But in reality, what did he really lose? He didn't lose anything. He didn't lose anything at all. He gained everything. You know, we, we have so much as Americans. We live in such an affluent society. Even if you live in a dingy little studio apartment, if you've got clean water you can drink, you're doing so much better than most of the world. You know, we go down to Guatemala uh, on our, our trips, and you don't, don't drink that water. <laughs> Also, you're not allowed to flush toilet paper. So if you drink the water and then that happens, you're really in trouble. <laughs> it's a mess. Sorry, I've been there a couple times and got to see some things. So, <laughs> But, you know, we're, we're so affluent, right? We, we have so much. And the idea of sacrificing our comfort is, is terrifying to most Americans. You know, I, I, I want to have my house, and I want to have my peace and quiet, and, and I want to have, you know, a car or whatever it is. We have the things that we like, the things that make us feel good, the things that make us comfortable. And the thought of, of ever sacrificing that to most Americans is you just, you would dismiss that idea altogether. You know, why, why would I, I do that? But Paul, I mean, he had everything in the world, and wasn't even a thought. He says he counts them as dung. It's all worthless. Paul, looking at his life through the lens of eternity, saw all these things as just temporary, as dust. 
you know, I'm a carpenter and everything I build is out of wood. And I think, gosh, this is going to burn hot. You know, it's going to go someday. And it's all, I'm getting ready to build my house next year. You know, we moved back and bought some land. I'm going to build a house and it's going to burn. You know, I'm just building a, a place that, that we can, we can be here and we can serve here, but it's just a big old wooden box. It's going to burn. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing. And we need to keep that mentality that whatever we've been given, you know, the Lord, he loves us and he's blessed us. We need to use what he's given us for his glory, but not be attached to it. Pastor Bill Gallatin and Tony Falcione, both of them in Bible college, they always reminded us, keep a light touch. Don't get too attached. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't let your security be in, in the things that you have. Because look at Job, right? When, when Pastor Ray's here on Wednesday nights, he's teaching through Job. Job lost everything. And he didn't curse God. He worshiped the Lord, didn't he? Would we worship the Lord if we lost everything? Even if we didn't lose our family, if our house burned to the ground and we lost all our material possessions, even in that, not even a fraction of what Job endured, would, would we worship or would we curse the Lord? It's a good check of where our hearts are at. And, and if, it's, if they're not where they should be, that, that's okay. You know, we can bring that to him, and, and he, can, he can help us. Verse 9, let's keep reading. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Righteousness, which is of God by faith. Now, this, this is a big deal coming from Paul. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, he was a Pharisee. Everything was based on works. Everything was based on making sure they satisfied the law and to say that, that the righteousness is of faith here. I mean, that right there is a testament to his true conversion. That's a total 180 from where he, he was before. And, you know, I, I see most of, most of you in here tonight, we see your faces every week. And, I mean, this has been my home church. Other than, than my time in Alaska, this has been my home since I was eight years old. I, I grew up in the church. I grew up at Calvary Chapel of Webster. It's easy to, to get to where... It's, it's works-based, isn't it? We know that's not true. We know that in our head. We know what the Word says because a lot of us have heard it for a lot of years. But to, we, we can start going about things, oh, Lord, I need to do this for you. Lord, I need to... We don't do it because the Lord's leading us. We, we feel this sense of, well, I'm a Christian. I should probably do something. You know, And that sounds silly. It sounds absurd saying it out loud. But the truth is we all think that at some time or, or another, don't we? And it's important to check the motives of our heart when we're doing something for Jesus. You know, to make sure that, that we are led and we're doing it out of obedience to him. Not because we feel the need to, to add a little to the scale on, on the good side, right? And so respond when the Lord leads you. I, I don't want to <laughs> discourage you from going out and doing something good that the Lord's leading you to do, but we need to know what our heart is in the matter. We need to check it before the Lord and say, Lord, why am I doing this? Lord, let me be doing this for the right reason. I, I remember Pastor Chuck 
when you go through the Calvary Chapel School of Ministry, we, we used to have chuck tapes. I'm sure it's on an MP3 or a CD now. But we listen to the chuck tapes. Through the course of the two years, you listen to the whole Bible of Chuck Smith teaching the Bible. And uh, he used to talk about how he was cleaning out in the parking lot and he saw trash out there and, and you know, he'd walk by it. And, and then he saw that there was people, you know, that were walking through the parking lot. And he went over and he picked up the trash, right? Good thing to do, right? Pick up the garbage. That's a good thing. But when you're doing it just to be seen, right, that, that's an example of where our hearts can be a little bit off. And I've done it before. Like, oh, I want to make sure people see this. I got a good one. <laughs> you know, and there, there goes your reward in heaven. <laughs> but but we, we should be willing to, to do whatever the Lord calls us to do, especially when no one's watching, right? Uh, just just to go about, if it's if it's in secret, if it's in the quiet, just to, to bless somebody without ever taking any credit, without receiving any recognition. It's, that, that's the heart of our Lord, right? Just, just to give selflessly, not seeking anything in return. I wasn't planning on going there, so we should uh, get back on track. <laughs> Let me reread verse 9 here. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Uh, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. We've all heard this verse before. This is one of those verses, it's like, it's like it's on the all-star team for verses because everybody knows it. You know, there's those handful of verses that people like to quote and they, they have them at the weddings and they have them at the funerals and they have them. It's one of those verses that we all know. The danger in one of those verses is you're like, oh yeah, I've heard that verse before. And, and we just kind of breeze by it because I already know it. So let's read it again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You know, we look at people like Billy Graham, Chuck Smith. We think, wow, these are great men of God. We go back further and we think about D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon and, and guys that, that go down in history as just being tremendously used by the Lord. And, and we look at them. They, they knew him and the power of his resurrection. They knew the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And we think, gosh, I, you know, we look at them, I want to be like that, and we want to be used by him, but so often we don't want to live the lives that lead to being led the way that they were used, to, to be consecrated, right? We, we, we read it early, we talked about the circumcision, let me go back in my notes, separated from an unclean multitude and consecrated to God. You look at guys like Chuck Smith and, and Billy Graham, these are guys that, that were consecrated to God. They were separated from an unclean multitude. They took that to, to every degree they could and look at how the Lord used them. They didn't have to be rocket scientists. They didn't have to have tremendous ability they were just obedient to the scripture, and they were willing to be used and say, yes, Lord. Whatever it was he asked them to do, yes, Lord. No but, Lord. You know, you say but, Lord, that's, that's an oxymoron, because you're saying that, that he's Lord, you know, he's the one calling the shots, and then you say, but. 
That, that's not how it works, is it? It's, it's yes, Lord. You, he knows. You think you know better than he does? I don't. I know I pretend I do sometimes, but we don't know better than him. If we think we do, we're fooling ourselves. When he leads you, he knows. He sees what's happening tomorrow. You and I, we can't see that. He sees a year and 20 years and everything down the road, and he sees it with perfect clarity and perfect understanding. When he leads you to make that next step and it doesn't make sense, you should trust the Lord. You should take that step because he only has the very best for you. I think we, we get it in our heads Oh, Lord, you know, you're going to call me to do something really hard. You know, you're going to send me to, to Africa or Alaska. Sometimes he does, but, but that's okay. It, you know, it was awesome. You know, the Lord sent us to Alaska, and what a blessing. He sustained us every step of the way. He didn't call us into something that he didn't equip us to handle. If we went in our own strength, we would have died on an iceberg somewhere. You know, if it was some, you know, crusade that we were on in our own flesh, it, it, nothing good would have come of it. But the Lord, he did wonderful things up there. He's still doing wonderful things up there. Uh, and whatever it is he calls you to do, no matter how crazy it might seem, boy, he's in it. Take that step. Take that step. You'll be blessed. You get to see what the resurrection power is like. We need to be separate. I know I'm, I'm kind of talking in circles, but, you know, Paul, he... He said here that he was repeating something, right? It's not grievous for me to, to write these things to you. It was for their own safety. It was for their own benefit. So if I'm repeating things tonight, it's not because I don't know where I'm going next. I, you know, the Lord's faithful to lead the study. It's because these things need to be repeated. It's because they're so very important to our health, to our growth as Christians. All right. Let's look at verse 11. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I skipped over something here. Let, let's, let's read verse 10 again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That is really important. I'm sorry that I almost passed that up. There, there are sufferings that come with following Jesus. And I think it's worth noting that there's suffering in the world no matter where you are or who you are or what you do. Suffering is part of life. I would rather suffer for Jesus' sake than for my own stupid mistakes, right? Because I'm going to make stupid mistakes and suffer if I just run out and do whatever I feel like doing. But if I suffer for Jesus, there's joy in that. But when I suffer because I just, you know, made a huge blunder, there, there's regret and remorse. But not when you're suffering for Jesus. There's no regret. There's, there's no, oh, Lord, I wish I wouldn't have done that. It's, it's thank you, Jesus. Look at when Paul, was it Paul and Silas when they were locked up? They were singing. I, I don't remember if Silas was the one with them, but they were singing in the middle of the night. I mean, they were beaten and bloodied and just torn to shreds and chained to a cold stone wall. They, they should have been miserable. They were singing praises to God, right? That's what it is to suffer for Jesus. You have joy in your trials, so don't be afraid to suffer for Jesus. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Being made conformable unto his death. It's okay to die for Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what are you really missing down here on earth? It's better to be with Jesus anyhow. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying to, to run out and try to get yourself martyred, but man, if the Lord chooses to take you, Praise the Lord, you're home. We're all going there. If you know Jesus and you're born again, 
we're going to the same place. And if he chooses to give you the fast track there, that's, that's awesome. You know, praise the Lord. There's no sting in death. Not, not when you know Jesus. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Okay, now what is that? I want you guys to turn your Bibles over to just a few pages over 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to look at pages, I'm uh, pages, at verses 14 through 18. Which I guess if we're talking pages, if you have a Thompson chain reference, it's on page 1,256. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is what he's talking about here. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh man, I can't wait for that. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I love that he put that last bit in there. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know what that means? We need to remind each other of the verses that come right before verse 18 to comfort one another. When you're tired of watching the news, I, I just don't even watch it, but you... If you like to watch the news and do that to yourself, when you're done, go back and read these verses. <laughs> because it's, it's not a suggestion. He's telling us. It's a command. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Guys, Jesus is coming. And I don't know if it's one, in one year or 20 years, right? We know better than to try and pin down a date. We've seen enough people do that, and, and here we still are. But um, he's coming back, guys. Don't lose sight of that. You know, we, we look at the government and we look at the House and the Congress and I, I don't know much about politics, but people that do are awfully disgruntled and distraught right now. Um, you know, for whatever the reasons are, guys, Jesus is on the throne. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter who the governor or the president or whatever world powers are. We serve the king of kings. We serve the one that is above all these other people and he's calling the shots, and no one can vote him out or impeach him, and they can run stories on the news about him, and it doesn't matter. He's still in charge, and he will be forever. So let's go back to Philippians. We're doing all right here. Back to Philippians. So in verse 11, that, that is what he was talking about. Um, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So in the beginning there, not as though I had attained, already attained. Paul knew, you know, we, we use the expression, wow, that guy's arrived, you know, he's got it together. And Paul knew he hadn't arrived. Uh, he knew that he would arrive when he was home with Jesus. You know, you, you don't reach 
perfection. Uh, we see the word perfect used in, in just a little bit, and, and that is better translated today as one that is mature. But in, in the literal sense of the word, we, we will never be perfect down here. And you guys know this. It's important that we remember it, because <laughs> sometimes we can act like we're perfect, right? We can act like we're just uh, uh, above mistakes, and, and, and it's important that we recognize that we got work left to be done in our hearts, right? And until our dying breath, the Lord is going to be bringing things to the surface. He's like, hey, Joe, let's deal with this now. You know, I haven't really convicted you about this in the past, but let's bring this to the surface now. We, we need to pull this out. Right, and he does that, and he, he gets rid of it, and like, oh, good, <laughs> that's over with. Now we're done. <laughs> no, and then he brings the next thing. Right, that it's, it's a progression. I, I remember hearing it taught. I don't know which pastor taught it, but that if the Lord revealed all of our sin in its fullness to us all at once, we just we wouldn't be able to handle it. We would just be undone. We'd be so overwhelmed by how filthy we are. Right, because we're, we're filthy sinners. It's only by grace that we are saved. It's only because we're wrapped in the robes of Jesus' righteousness. And if the Lord was to reveal it all at once, it, we'd just be undone. So rest assured, until your dying day, there's going to be something wrong with you, <laughs> right? And the Lord, He wants to help you through it. And it's that's what our relationship with Him is, isn't it? It's walking with him, and as he deals with our hearts, as he brings something to light, we, we deal with it together, or we try to do it our own way, and then we get in a bunch of trouble, and then he's faithful, right? He doesn't leave us to forsake us. He kind of helps us back up, and we, <laughs> we realize, oh, Lord, you were right all along, you know, as if that's a revelation, <laughs> but that, that's what our relationship is, right? It's walking with him day in and day out and just, just listening. I'm skipping over most of my notes. I should probably take a look at them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. You know, people, people can come to the Lord's, and I've heard it, and you've probably heard it if you've, you've counseled with anyone before. You know, I, the Lord doesn't want me. I've committed too great a sin. The Lord can't forgive this. You know, I... I have a drinking problem, or I had a drinking problem, or a drug problem, or a pornography problem, or I've been divorced, or I've been this, or I've been that. We can come up with an everlasting list of reasons why we think the, the Lord can't save us or use us. And let's read through verse 12 and 13 again here, because it deals with exactly what we're talking about. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. So he realizes that he's not the one that has grasped onto this salvation. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Pastor Ray just touched on this a few weeks ago. And actually, there was a couple Bible studies in rapid succession where he touched on this. It's important that we leave the past in the past. You can dwell on every mistake you've ever made, and you're doing it alone. Because the Bible says that when you're born again, when Jesus has forgiven you, he has cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. 
right? It's a good thing it doesn't go north to south because those meet eventually, don't they, right? You, you keep going north and eventually you're going south, right? You're going this way, but you can go east forever and never find west. You can go west forever and never find east. They just, they just go forever apart, don't they? And that's what he does. Now, back, back to our, our text here um, in verse 13 forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, bear in mind, this is Paul. This is the guy that persecuted the church. He was going all over the place and causing mayhem within this brand new burgeoning church, right? I mean, Jesus was on the scene not that long before, and Paul's working hard to snuff it out. Imagine how that could have weighed on his conscience, that could have crippled him. He could have fallen into a deep depression and, Lord, I, I, you can't use me. I almost destroyed your whole church. He could have convinced himself that he was unsavable and that he was unusable. And people do that today. There might be people in this room that are doing that right now. You don't have to share your whole past with me, but you know what it is. And if you dwell in it, you're going to be stuck in it and you won't be able to move forward. And if you want to be led of the Lord, you have to be able to move forward and follow him when he leads. Don't dwell on the past. If you're born again, you are forgiven. It's wiped clean. All right. Verse 14. I pressed, this is another one of those verses, and I love it. I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Not, not only was Paul able to accept the, the forgiveness that Jesus offers and leave his past in the past, he was able to move forward. And, and he wasn't walking. He was, he was just super focused, like a laser, right? If I shine a flashlight across the sanctuary, right, it's going to be in all your eyes, and it's this big, wide beam, a laser. There's going to be one little dot on the back wall. Everything is focused into one spot. Paul, he wasn't like a flashlight. He wasn't all over the place, looking everywhere at everything. He, he was like a laser. He was right on Jesus. He was pointed at Jesus, and there wasn't anything that was going to dissuade him or derail him or, or knock him off the tracks. He was gunning for Jesus, and whatever Jesus says, yes, Lord, yes, I'll do it. That, that was Paul. He was pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, and what, here's the question, what is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? What is the highest calling? You know, people, you know, oh, to, to be a pastor, oh, to be a missionary, or to be an evangelist. And those are all right and wrong. The, the highest calling is to be whatever it is the Lord has called you to do. When the Lord crafted you in your mother's womb, when he knew you before the foundations of the universe, he said, I have a plan for you, and here's what I want you to do. He's got everything orchestrated, right? You ever see an orchestra? You got, I don't know if it's 50 or 100 people. You got all these people, and they all have their music. They have their part to play. And as soon as the violin thinks he's a bass, everything goes south. As soon as this guy tries to do that girl's part, right, It'll stick out like a sore thumb. All, but when everything is working in perfect unison, when every instrument is following the conductor, when every instrument is playing exactly what their music says to play, what's the result? It's breathtaking. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Right? Have you ever gone down to Eastman around Christmas time and seen Handel's Messiah? It's awesome. 
It's, it's unbelievable. But if someone in the back row starts singing someone else's part and then they kind of mess it up because they don't really know the part that well, it's, it's just put a sour taste in your mouth, wouldn't it? The high calling of God is to be exactly what the Lord has called each and every one of you to be. There's nothing wrong with not being a pastor or a missionary. It might be working a nine-to-five and being a light in the office, just being a good mom or a good dad, raising up your kids to know and love and serve Jesus. You don't know what he's going to do with those kids. You don't know what the Lord is going to do when he saves that coworker and then they go on to be the next Billy Graham, right? And, and you played the role in that because you were honest, you showed up to work on time, you were compassionate and caring, and you exemplified traits that, that are in Jesus because his characteristics are in you and they spill out to the people around you. Just be faithful in the little things. Be faithful to, to do what the Lord tells you to do, and it doesn't have to be, like I said, a big trip to Africa or around the world. It's just being faithful day in and day out. And if he leads you to take a big giant step of faith, that's okay. That, that's good. I mean, if he leads you, do it. But more often than not, I, I think we're, we're looking for the big giant leap of faith and we forget to be faithful in the little things. Right? Just, just holding the door for someone or you see someone trying to open their car at the, the grocery store and they got two bags of groceries. You could just go, hey, can I open your trunk for you? That right there, it's the simplest little thing, but the fact that someone stopped and was kind enough to, to care and help, that starts a conversation. It plants a seed. That's how you be a light in the darkness, guys. I, another thing, too, he was focused, right? We talked about being a laser. He was, he was focused on finishing well. How many people start well and they, they finish poorly? I don't want that to be me. And what happens so often is, is people, they, they start, and then they get complacent, uh, complacent and lackadaisical, and the enemy just creeps in so subtly, and he takes them down. We see it happen. We see it happen with pastors, right? We, we hear on the news, oh, a scandal, a financial scandal, a sexual scandal. And you think, gosh, how, this guy that I've listened to for so long, you know, and his teaching's been so awesome, how, how did he ever get wrapped up in that? Just because you've known the Lord for a long time doesn't mean that you're safe, right? You have to nurture and maintain your relationship with Jesus. The enemy is just waiting for you to get comfy and drop your guard. All right, verse 15. Yeah, verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, here's that word perfect, or mature, um, therefore, uh, let us therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So let's go back and, and look at that. So I guess the first thing we want to look at here, let us therefore as many as be mature. So he's addressing a mature crowd here, or what he just talked about is for mature believers, right? Maybe if you just got saved yesterday, you're on fire, but you, you need some meat, right? You need to, to supplement your, your diet with more of the word and more of the word and allow the Lord to grow you and establish you and, and mature you. So he's talking here to mature believers. So as many as should be mature, be thus minded. If any 
Though if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. If you're not a mature believer yet, it's okay. You know, he's going to reveal it to you in his perfect time. Uh, kind of going back to how the Lord is, he reveals things to us, not all at once, right? I, there, there's the whole sin portion, but he reveals other things in our lives too. Well, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to do that. He makes us aware of things. Just like when you watch your kid grow, right? They, they become aware uh, they, they learn to write. They, they learn how to socially interact. They, they start attaining more traits and attributes that allow them to function at a, a higher level socially, to interact with people. Well, I think it's the same thing with Christianity as, as we dive into the words, as we're faithful to be in fellowship, as we're faithful to worship the Lord. Right? We grow just like a plant and you're, he kind of he, he gives you you more. He gives you more opportunity to minister. He allows you to have a deeper understanding of the word as you meditate upon it day and night. So if you're not there yet, you just you just stick with Jesus. You'll be okay. It's good. He'll he'll grow you into exactly what he wants you to be. Verse sixteen. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And then verse 17. There we go. Verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So to, to mark someone, there, there's a fine line here. And Paul is right on, but you don't want to take this out of context. All right? He says to mark people that, that are, are walking, you know, as good examples. You know, I, I like Chuck Smith. I, I love listening to him. He's usually on when I'm riding into work in the morning, and the, the teaching is just so good and so rich. And so he's a guy that I look up to. You know, he's gone home to be with the Lord, but I look at the life that he lived, and he's a good example. The danger, the, the place where you can take this too far is if all of a sudden you think that they can do no wrong. Remember that they are only men or women or, you know, whoever it is that the Lord has placed in your life, they're sinners, saved by grace, but they're sinners still, and they're going to let you down, and that's, that's okay. You should expect that. I've, I've seen, I remember years ago, I mean, this is a long, long time ago, I was probably 13, and there was this guy, and, and he, a bunch of us high school kids kind of flocked to him, real charismatic kind of guy, and Without getting into a bunch of details, you know, everything kind of went sideways, and all of a sudden we realized, wow, this guy isn't who we thought he was, you know, and there was all this heartbreak and letdown, and why did we ever follow this guy? And that, that'll happen if you place all your eggs in, in that person's basket. You want all your eggs in Jesus' basket, right? But the fruit here, if we're, we're balanced and, and we, we follow what the Scripture says, we should look at people that are following after Jesus that have healthy lives and take note of the healthy things that they are doing. Look at how they're being examples of good believers, of good followers of Christ, and emulate those things. And when they fall, when they make a mistake, don't follow that thing. You know, Recognize they're still sinners and they're not perfect, just like you and I are sinners and we're not perfect. But we need to have people in our lives that we look up to. Uh, the, the Bible refers to the older instructing the younger, right? You guys that have lived a full life, you have things that you can impart to the younger generation. And I think that's 
not something that you should just do whenever uh, you feel like it, but have you looked at, at my generation and, and the generation before me? They need you. Really, if, if you feel like you're getting older and you don't know what to do, go find young people because they're a mess. They really are. And, and I know we, you know we chuckle about it, but they really are. And if they don't want to give you the time of day, don't give up on them. You know, eventually they're going to see that, that they need help. And if they have sound doctrine, if they have the love of Jesus being poured into their lives, that is so radically different than what they get from the world. It, it doesn't go unnoticed. It really doesn't. So if you don't know what to do and, you know, you're, you're getting older and you just don't know how to be useful, Lord, Lord what can I do? I got free time. You know, when you're younger and you got, a, you got kids and you got a family, you don't have any time. You feel like you're running on negative time. You don't know how it all gets done. And then when you, you have time all of a sudden, it's like, wow, what should I do? Find kids. Find younger folks. Find people my age. Find people that need to learn. We, we all need to learn. I need to learn. I'm happy to learn. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to listen to the older generation because... I've got questions. I've got things I don't understand. I've got a wife and three kids, and right? I need help. I, I need help just like the next guy. This generation is in dire straits right now, and if we can bring them to Jesus, imagine how that could impact the future. We see the road that this country is going down, and I know Pastor Ray says it, and I pray the same thing, Lord, send revival. You want revival? You need the younger generation to get saved so they can start teaching their kids. So pour into them. Pour into them. Verses 18 and 19. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. As I said before, it's a subtle thing when the enemy just creeps in and he makes us comfortable. Uh, Casting Crowns, they, they have a song, and it's been out for years. It's called uh, Slow Fade. It's a slow fade. You know, it's talking about how marriages, they don't crumble in a day. You, you don't take a healthy marriage, and then the next day, I hate you, we're getting divorced. It, it breaks down over time. It takes time. People don't fall away from the church just like that, they get distracted. Something else comes in. They, they start skipping a study here and there, and, and soon they're, you know, fill in the blank. You know where I'm going with it. Things creep in subtly, and they just draw you away. All of a sudden, your bar is lowered ever so slightly. You know, it was up here before, and now it's here, but it's not like that guy whose bar is down here, so I'm still doing way better. But, you know, you're not because you lowered the bar, right? We should be raising the bar as we get to know Jesus. Either you're climbing the mountain or you're falling down it. It's no fun falling down a mountain. <laughs> they're steep and there's rocks. You don't want to fall down a mountain. And you can't maintain just sitting on the side of a mountain very long. You could struggle for a bit. But either you're going up to get to the top where you can rest or you're, you're going down. You're taking the easy path down. All right. Let's keep moving here. We're almost done, guys. Verse 20. For our conversation or our lifestyle, as that word is better translated, is in heaven, 
from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we're just pilgrims passing through, amen? This is not our home. We're, we're here in the light of eternity. It's just a little bloop on the radar, and we're here, and then we're there, and that's it. Use the time you have here, that little blip, to take as many people to heaven with you as you can. Right? We, we, need, we can't bring our stuff. It doesn't matter what you own or, or what your bank account says. That, that's nothing. It's, it's gone. It's, it's dust. It's all going to be consumed. But people, we can tell people about Jesus and we can see them in eternity. But we have to have a heavenly outlook on this life because we can get wrapped up. We, we just read it at the end of verse 19. Um, and whose glory is in their shame and who mind earthly things. We don't want to be so consumed with earthly things that we forget about eternal things, the things that last forever. People go to heaven forever, but people go to hell forever too. And we need to be mindful of that. You know, the people that we interact with, the, the people that we rub shoulders with every day. If that person's not going to heaven, you better be praying for them because they, they, they need to know Jesus. Verse 21, let's, let's wrap it up here. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. There, there's nothing that the Lord can't overcome in your life. Uh, sometimes we feel like we're, we're just facing Goliath. We feel like we're in front of this mountain that can't be overcome, it can't be climbed, but... All of our trials, they, they look so much smaller. When you look at Goliath, he's big, but when you see the God of creation that holds the universe in the span of his hand, how big is Goliath? He's just a speck of dust. You need to put your trials in perspective. Look at the creator, and then look at your trial and how much greater your creator is. Your heavenly father that loves you with a perfect love. But whatever it is that you think can't be overcome in your life, just give it to Jesus. Don't, don't sell the Lord short thinking that you've created a problem that's too great for God. He, he's bigger than, than all of it, and he loves you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love your children. We thank you that you are so wonderfully patient with us. Lord, we can be like little kids throwing tantrums and fighting and bickering over the silliest of things. And yet you, you watch over us, you nourish us, you protect and care for us. Lord, you are a good, good father. Just like the song goes, uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us a passion to run after you. Lord, that we would know resurrection power. That we would live lives that are fully surrendered to you. Not mostly surrendered, but Lord, that we are willing to go wherever you call us. Lord, to, to inconvenience our schedules to do whatever it is that you have requested of us to do. Lord, you never force us. Lord, you, you, you give us opportunities. and I pray, Lord, that we would be quick to take advantage of those opportunities. What a blessing it is to be in your service, King Jesus. Lord, you don't need us, but you, you allow us to partake in the blessing of knowing and serving you. So please, Jesus, I pray that, that as we go home tonight, that whatever you've whispered into our hearts, each and every one of us, that we would take it and not forget it, that we would hide your word in our hearts, that we would take that directive that you've passed on to us 
and that we would act upon it, that we wouldn't say, ah, I don't think so, it's not for me. Lord, give us faith to, to move forward, to take steps, to follow after you. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mm, that's all.